Welcome to Fintech Uncut. The quiz show with candid commentary on the biggest fintech and financial services news of the week that was. Disclaimer, this show is created purely for entertainment purposes and contains segments of sarcasm, satire, parody, and humor. Even if you don't think any of it is funny, the creators do not accept any responsibility or liability for the accuracy of any content shared and reminded you to always fact check everything yourself. And now, it's over to your quiz master. Welcome everyone at Fintech Uncut, the quiz show with candid commentary on the week's biggest fintech and financial services stories with the wise guy, the other guy, and Judge Mary. That's right, my friends, the wild hair days are over. I went to the hairdresser. And well, maybe because of that or because I was in full preparation of Fintech Uncut, I missed the biggest news of the week. Uh, otherwise, I would have seen my shares plummet to the level I never expected. Thank you, Silicon Valley Bank. But that's not going to be a question of the show this week. Um, nevertheless, it's time for business now. Quiz business. My name is Rico Kulberis, your host of the day. And I'm here with, as usual, Andrew, the other guy, Forster, Judge Mary, Chris, the wise guy, Skinner. And my first question is, this week we read about someone or something that's in desperate need of banks. And it's not the Australian living 1,000 kilometers from the closest branch. Can you guess who or what it is? You gave it away in the intro there, Rick. It's all of the startups. As a matter of fact, yeah. Over 50% of all venture-backed companies in the USA have a relationship with Silicon Valley Bank. And since their shares have plummeted 60%, actually 84% over the yeah, last Yeah, it's much months, more by now. It's 84%. We have another day coming up. <laughs> That's it. it it's it's got to be them. It's all the startups in America. They're looking for banks now. The massive run. It is correct. But I expect another answer. Yeah. Well, there's quite a few celebrities who are looking for banks, like Prince Harry needs to have a bank to put all the money he's made from his new book. And Gary Lineker needs a new bank to, you know, put all the money that he's made from a Twitter comment about the UK government and the Stop the Boats campaign, which he compared to 1930s Nazi uh, language, which I'm sure it's nothing to do with what you want to hear, Rick, but it's very UK domestic and, you know, the headlines of every day here. Oh, yeah, you are also very UK domestic these days. <laughs> Can I ask you something? <laughs> What's your relationship with Prince Harry? Because for some reason, he enters the show every week and I don't see him becoming a sponsor whatsoever. Well, actually, yeah, I was wondering... Elon Musk, Prince Harry, you know, it's it, the guys I drink with. Um, I'm there. <laughs> you know, so I was going to say, surely, surely a piggy bank would suffice for um, Prince Harry with all that that spare change that he's made from his book sales about three or something. And when you say spare change, you mean it spare. <laughs> um, but you, you mentioned Silicon Valley Bank, and I think that's one of the biggest stories for me this week, which is the collapse of a bank I've known, and it's been around for you know over 30 years. Um, and when you looked at the fundamentals, it wasn't actually about a bank that was speculating. Um, no. There's been several banks that have been speculating, but Silicon Valley Bank collapsed 
this week because they basically bet the bank on mortgage-backed securities and um, you know the uh, yield on those, and that's what failed. And they've ended up sell the bank. Well, well, actually, and apologies that it's diverting from the real answer, which um, we'll give in a minute. But picking up on the Silicon Valley Bank, um, one of in one of their. Um, I don't know whether it was a press release or just something that they said. They said the reason why they were trying to liquidate some of their assets was because they are preparing for a mass extinction event of startups this year. And that was really, really telling where they're the bank for startups in the USA and they are publicly expecting a mass extinction of startups. So people in startup world, geez, you've got to get your numbers right because money ain't going to be that easy to get hold of over the next couple of years. Can I ask you, Andrew? We're friends, right? Can you tell me that week earlier next time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so getting back to the question, I think that um, Chris Skinner is looking for a new bank because I don't know whether you saw that he had a bit of a meltdown on Twitter because his Again? own bank won't <laughs> let him buy any more crypto. Um, they've they've stopped all of his transfers out to Binance, I believe, Chris. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So is it something to do with people and crypto needing new banks? Mm, I'm, I'm not sure it's that because uh, in the UK, going back to being domestic focused, the Financial Conduct Authority, the regulators stopped you depositing any money on Binance or crypto exchanges um, by law. So all the banks have just said, if you're trying to use those services then it's blocked um but you know the, another bank failed this week and, and i suspect this might be what you're getting at rick which was silvergate bank um because talking of crypto you know silvergate is one of the major banks that was being used by a lot of um the crypto community and after ftx it's still sort of the the, the ripples in the water you know going out and um they collapsed and in fact they've brought down a lot of the cryptocurrency values with them i think it's all it's all related uh, when we look at both silicon valley bank and silvergate the uk financial stocks yesterday dropped by quite a large percentage so it's having a ripple effect through the traditional banking industry as well oh, of course uh, i mean if, if you look at between silicon valley bank and silvergate bank you know, HSBC and the other mainstream banks' share prices have also flattened yeah. because basically there's a lot of uh, you know fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the system right now. No, there's so much fear. I'm starting to get the emails for some of the investors like, "Keep your money um, at the at the at this bank, so you don't you know make the problem worse." But um, yeah, it's it's been a dark week. I would say maybe this is our heaviest news thing we voted on so far well well um, we had christmas sweaters <laughs> going to have christmas sweaters and some of us did a fashion show other <laughs> yeah, right. have to do that so, re reminder no um, but I, I agree with you this is and, and i'm afraid it's gonna be like the kind of news that we'll be discussing more in the coming weeks as well yeah it's 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 grim um points Chris, slight advantage here. Uh, you get a nine. Andrew, 
you get an eight. Um, strong, strong beginning um, for answers. Not the not the nothing for Rick. No, Rick, nothing. Rick always gets a special star. <laughs> yes. Next question. Can you guess one of the biggest misconceptions in fintech according to a recent study in Belgium that was not really related to fintech? I think that's me then. Um, you're always talking about Belgium because you live there and I'm talking UK because I live well in Poland. Um, but <laughs> you know the similarity between Belgium and yogurt? No. Yogurt has a culture. Oh, vicious smile. I know that's bad, but Belgium is known as the most boring country in Europe. I mean, it's got Brussels full of Eurocrats, and apart from that, it's just flat. There's not much else. And if you add to this that Belgium's not really a country, it's actually French, German, and Dutch. You know, northern Belgium is Flemish, whilst the south is Walloons, which I always find funny as that rhymes with balloons. So maybe it's that. The biggest misconception is about the word fintech, which, does, which doesn't translate into um, Belgium because it, it has, uh, you know, it's it's not German, French or Dutch. Well, it probably I, I works better than Polish because fintech comes from financial technology and if yeah, you translate but... that, it's financiële technologie. So I'm pretty glad that you live at the other side of Europe, Chris. But, but I think I think Chris is onto something there, you know, because living in Europe, anything Finn related is Finnish. So I think that there's a wide misconception amongst the Belgian public that fintech means Finnish technology. Fintech, you know, the Finns make good technology. So. Or maybe it's the Germans say it's fintech, which the French then interpret as Weintech, which is therefore you know, to do with Bordeaux and Grand Cru um, wine or something. These deviations from the question are going nowhere. Well, well yeah, you, going asked, nowhere. You, you said it wasn't really related to fintech. So coming back onto it, I think that the region of Flanders, who are currently trying to increase their their credentials and their credibility in the space of financial services, um, are wanting to reband fintech as Flantech. Flanders technology for the financial services community. So, you know, Flan is a kind of pie. <laughs> details, details, so, details. Are we not getting on the right thing there? That serves you right for asking Belgian questions, though. Definitely not right. Um, oh, this, one, not this one surprised me. So. Oh, I thought, Andrew, that with all the shows that we have on Belgian banking and tech-related news, the after-work, the breakout bites, you should know better. Well, I think I, th I think I do because there was a great report released by uh, Ghent University actually about um, uh, the people's Belgian people's lack of interest in technology. So you said uh, um, it wasn't really related to fintech, but but the key thing is that it is related to fintech because, of course, fintech is all about more technological use. So going mobile, online and all of this. But the truth of this report is that the youth specifically, their interest in digital technology has declined year on year. And it, it went down from 84 percent to 70 percent. Um, in 2022, in the, in the youngest age group, they and the biggest 
uh, um, notable point that came out of this was the lack of digital skills. People might be aware of the technology, they might play on their phones, but they actually haven't got digital skills. And, and a full, more than a quarter of all of the Flemish people um, feel that they are addicted to their phones. So they actually want to disconnect because they feel that they've got an unhealthy obsession with them. And that could actually have an impact on, on all of the fintech's efforts in the future. If people start losing interest and don't have the digital skills to be able to use the tools that they're putting out there. I would say that's just because they live in Belgium, which is the most boring country in the world. But apart from that, it's probably more to do with a trend you can see um, worldwide. Because mm. one thing that snuck through this week is um, Mark Zuckerberg is dropping the metaverse. And, you know, yeah. They've lost $24 billion in the last two years in terms of Meta's investments in trying to build the metaverse. And it's just not paying off. And so they've now switched to a much sexier area called artificial intelligence would you believe which um well we shall see so the company will soon be rebranded into a <laughs> i think like that the half, half of the name of the trend metaverse going meta ai becoming no Zuckverse. anyway what are the points mary <laughs> or, or maybe the verse sucks so whatever I, I i'm fascinated by this because i i was I'm obsessed with Gen Z. I'm like, what are they doing now? And um, I, I and counterculture things, and um, you know, is it Gen Z or Gen Z? Gen Z, right? Z. Well, we, I'm British. It's yeah, Gen we Z. pronounce it Z. Oh, let's have a battle. <laughs> I'm You're calling Polish, it Gen Z. Chris. You're Polish. Um, um, but I just feel like, you know, that's wild. You know, here, I don't know if this is true in your countries, but like. Um, the, um, the the budgeting system putting it in envelopes has been trending again among like Gen Z. It's just, it's just curious yeah. patterns. Yeah. Okay. Points, points, points. All right. This was a good round too, but like last round was extra informative. So I got to give you lower points, but still like applause to you both. Poor um, Andrew. <laughs> Chris, you have received seven this round. Andrew, five. But he, he got the answer. I'm wrong. Yeah, but I was more fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're Go just on. hoping for a ticket to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number three. You know the boiling frog syndrome? A metaphor describing how small, hard to detect, annoying changes in the environment can accumulate into a big threat. If you do not if not detected on time, these changes lead to a dramatic catastrophe you can't avoid anymore. This comes from the urban myth that if you put a frog into a pot of boiling water, it will instantly leap out. But if you put it in a pot filled with pleasantly tepid water and gradually heated, the frog will remain in the water until it boils to death. Which fintech seems to be bathing in hot water already, according to this week's news. Beat you. Um, just wanted to say that the Boiling Frog story became famous in my world because Charles Handy produced a book in the 1980s called The Age of Unreason, saying that a business that doesn't adapt to change can find itself <laughs> boiled like a frog. Is and he Polish? My, the Boiling Frog story is actually not an urban myth it's actually true is that frogs are cold-blooded so 
what that means is that if you put them into water, their body temperature adapts to the temperature of the water. So you can put them in freezing ice or all boiling water, um, but you, you need to do it gradually and their body will just adapt to whatever the temperature is until eventually they can be boiled or frozen. And frozen frogs is very impressive in French areas, including um, southern parts of Belgium. That author you referred to, is it Polish? No, we don't eat frogs here. We we eat um, everything. No, you referred to a book. The author, is he Polish? Oh, sorry, no. Charles Handy is a, a British um, business uh, sort of um, guru from the 80s. Um, he's written many books. Yeah. Um, the Age of Unreason is the one that started the boiling frog story about business. So it's not from your country? It depends what country I'm related to. I'm British, <laughs> European, a global citizen, and every now and again, a fruitcake. All right, Mr. Fruitcake, oh. let's get back to the question. So, so I think that the fintech um, that is in boiling water at the moment is, uh, we spoke about them on the show last week, it's Railza. Um, yesterday, there was an announcement that came out that said that uh, they've gone into bankruptcy protection at the moment under a new consortium. Um, so there's a new owner, it's a shareholder consortium, and they've gone uh, into bankruptcy protection so that they can continue trading at the moment. And given what's been happening lately, I don't know whether they're just um, they're just boiling and they're going to be boiled to death at the moment. Let's uh, space waiting to be seen. Well, it kind of builds on Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. You know, Rails are, I thought, with Nigel were very stable and you know mm. they're a unicorn doing well, and suddenly they off the off the rails or Rails are. Um, but it could e equally be Klarna. I mean, Klarna hit the headlines this week um, because they're making $100 million a month of losses. And, you know, a lot of people say that's not exactly a good thing. And yet the founder of um, Klarna, uh, I think his name is Simonski, was on stage at a conference in Stockholm this week and said, the media are, you know, actually unfair saying, how can you burn $100 million a month? Because the investors come to us and say, we believe in you. We think that you're worth $50 billion based on your growth ambitions. And that means that investing a billion dollars a year is a 2% dilution. It's not that crazy. Mm. I kind of sit there and say, uh, I'm not sure about that, Mr. Simakowski. Simakowski, I think is his name. I'm going to give you an extra tip. I'm talking about three frogs here that jumped in the water and suddenly and quickly came out again. Wait, what a tip! <laughs> We're wow. talking about multiple. Um, it was, of course, International Women's Day this week, and with um, uh, having a wife, two daughters, and four sisters, um, I don't like the concept of international women's day because i think that every day should be women's day and i don't say that lightly i take a strong stand about uh, equality particularly in the uh, in the workplace and there were a lot of tweets around the underrepresentation of women in financial specifically within fintechs um with uh, quite a few people saying fintech is an industry built by men for men 
And we're still saying that even though the fintech industry has been around for a while and it is a very sad state that we still don't have enough representation and enough diversity within the products and things being produced by fintech. So if you're talking about boiling water, I think all fintechs pretty much uh, should be in boiling water um, when you look at their, uh, their uh, at the very least, at their gender diversity, let alone the rest of the diversity spectrum. Although Innovate Finance did release a really good report this week about the power list of fintech women, so check that out. I will check that out. I'm guessing the only other thing I could think of would be related to maybe the German um, fintech startup. Well, they're no longer starting up. They're start. You know, they're fully formed near enough. N26. Um, but when I say they're fully formed, they're a very weird company in that I've bumped into them a few times. And the German regulator, Baffin, along with the Spanish regulators and others, are saying that they don't have the right KYC onboarding processes. And that's always been a big question. And then this week, the chief risk officer who's recently left uh, leaked to the press an internal memo about um, their executive team, of which many of them are claiming it's a dysfunctional company run on a culture of fear. Um, I particularly took exception to their founder, um, who was interviewed by the FT a couple of years ago, and said that profit is not one of their metrics, which I just think is ridiculous. So maybe N26 is in deep trouble or we shall see. Um, yeah, bingo. Uh, if, if profit wasn't the metric, what, what do you remember what the metric was how they were defining that? Um, fear. Fear. Oh, well, fear, uncertainty and doubt these days. <laughs> okay. Well, this isn't good. Um, um, points. Do I do points now? Okay, I feel like we all had interesting facts to uh, to answer this question. Maybe one uh, bonus question. What? Maybe one bonus question. One bonus question? Yeah. What's the Who bonus? Who was the last frog in this story? And you're both at six six right now, so this would put one of you ahead. Game on. Was the chief risk officer? He is the most recent one to have gone, um, and. More importantly, he's one of only two people in the organization that actually have the regulated license to be able to operate a bank. And it was already the third frog that left the pot in one year. Yeah. And most importantly, his name is Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a gross, incorrectly thing. Why <laughs> do you call me Kermit? My name is Gross. <laughs> All right, Andrew got that extra point. Seven, yes. Andrew, Chris, six. All right, next question. Some time ago, and it's actually quite some time ago, the Fugees didn't sing. <clears throat> Ready or not, here I come, you can hide. Gonna find you and take it slowly. Ready or not, here I come. You can hide. Gonna find you and make you follow me. Based on this week's news, who could have sung that? That was your best song yet, Rick. 
there was no whiskey about, involved. You can follow me. It's got to be our friend Elon Musk. Have you noticed that when you go on Twitter now, if you're not following him, he it's like he's there anyway. Doesn't matter whether you follow him or not. He's he's in your Twitter feed. So you said, got to find you and make you follow me. It seems as though that must be his algorithm change now. Yeah, it's, I right. it's interesting because I oh. um, haven't heard the Fuji's reference for quite some time. And um, <clears throat> the band's original name was the Refugees. And they shortened it to Fugees on the basis that refugees is a little bit uh, debatable, particularly as we know in UK news this week about the Stop the Boats, which I already referenced with Gary Lineker. But what I found interesting is that Wycliffe Jean, who was one of the leads with the Fugees, could sing and rap in five languages. English. Who's Wycliffe Jean? Hmm? We call them Wycliffe Jean. Jean. In Belgium. Uh, Jean, John. Jean, come well, on, uh, Chris. Yeah, yeah, that's his Polish. That's his Polish thing. Jean, Jeannie, you know. So, Wyclef Jean, you know, if you want the French, the uh, Flemish interpretation, um, but he could rap in <laughs> English, Spanish, French, German, and Japanese. Can't decide whether Japanese. that's a bonus point or a subtraction. We got ourselves a short. <laughs> Japanese, my good. Did not know that, but but your rap sounded like it could have been any f overhyped fintech pitch to a VC. You know, I'm going to find you and take it slowly. Yet yeah, ready or not, because most of them launch way before they're ready. They have no monetization plan, and they're going to find them and they're going to take all of the VCs money without ever reaching profitability because their whole plan is just based on churn and burn. Uh, so yeah, I think it's uh, startup VC uh, startup pitches to VCs. They they probably could have sung that. And if you for bonus points, um, Chris Skinner, Chris Skinner actually blogged about what's hot and what's not today and uh hot and not overhyped uh fintechs i think is not hot on your list wasn't it chris well i mean it was interesting on um you know the what's hot what's not which is a theme at finnovate next week where i'm doing a keynote um just throwing that in um but you know tech crunch did a fantastic in-depth um article asking seven venture capital investors uh what's hot and what's not um it's behind a paywall so difficult to access but what came out of that is anything to do with the office of the cfo treasury and workflow b2b payments etc they think is hot and what's not is a lot of the consumer challenger bank companies like n26 we just spoke about um so i think we'll see some struggle in that area um, surprises there so I'm not sure, you know, ready or not, here I come, you can't hide, would apply to the VCs. It sounds to me more like the regulators in terms of, you know, you can't hide from the regulators. Um, and that's what a lot of these challenger banks are discovering because their AML and KYC processes are pretty awful. It's more controversial than that. Yeah, I yeah. don't think I it's like the regulators, in. but authorities. I don't think you can hide from the authorities, particularly not the Chinese authorities. And if you poke your head above the parapet, um, you might be disappeared. You know, we saw Jack Ma disappear. And uh, now we've got 
I can't remember his name, Bao, um, Bao Fan. Um, he, um, that sounds he like a German was, regulator. Yeah, but yeah, not Baffin, Bao Fan. Um, he suddenly disappeared for a, a period of time and then reappeared again with no explanation other than he was answering some questions. So I think that, uh, the, the the Communist Party have got a a good track record of uh, coming after you, whether you're ready or not, if you're in power. I, I do think, though, that we shouldn't underestimate that statistically speaking, it's a lot easier to get lost in China than to get lost in Belgium because it's so much bigger. Ah, oh, but there's a much better song about I was lost in France. Oh, please don't sing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. Except I'll sing it better than you. <laughs> well, now I want to hear the song, so that will be a follow-up. I was me. lost in France. It's uh, um. Well, what was the name? Uh, it'll come back to me next okay. week. Next week. Um. Well, Andrew, was it Bonnie Tyler? It might have been. No, don't sing Bonnie Tyler. Don't ruin that for me. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Mary, what are the points? What the points? Okay, so Andrew won that round, and I'm going to award him with the higher points on like that earlier round. <laughs> All right. Andrew, 800. seven. <laughs> oh, no, he does need 800. Andrew, seven. Um, Chris, five. <clears throat> now it's getting closer. Crystal, That's interesting. Ahead. All right, next question, my friends. XXX isn't about value, it's about values. And that's a tagline from a company. The XXX is a company that you have to guess. Um, they clearly didn't understand the word values. What am I talking about? N26? No. Klarna? No. Revolut? Could have been. Elon no. Musk? And not Prince Harry. It could have been any like of Prince them. Harry. Prince Harry. Actually, old news, um, very old news, but uh, a company whose values included communication, respect, integrity, and excellence in their company report was Enron. So talking about uh, um, people that don't understand the word values, uh, yeah. I know it's old news, but um, that is one. But that leads me into, good segue into, I think um, there's a lot of companies that are doing a lot of greenwashing. And there was a brand new report uh, from the Corporate Climate Responsibility Monitor about how many companies, big everyday names, and I won't name any of them here, but I'll put the link to report in the show notes, um, are greenwashing by... Uh, achieving carbon net zero within an accelerated uh, time simply by paying carbon offsets which is solving the wrong problem so they 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 doing all sorts of magical accounting to offset their impact but they're actually not becoming greener themselves and in some cases they're only uh, improving their their true green credentials by about 30 percent instead of the 90% or so that they need to improve them by to true, achieve genuine carbon net zero by the targets. So those are companies that don't 
uh, appreciate what the word values really means. True. And I was thinking about greenwashing, but it was in fact not about greenwashing. Oh. What I'm referring to. Yeah, it also depends what you mean by values in terms of when you look at ESG, there's a rising anti-ESG movement. Um, and you know, part of it is because the measures of ESG is not just environmental, it's social and governance. And so Tesla fell out of the ESG 300 list of Standard & Poor's because their internal governance is quite um, racist, apparently, and within Tesla. Um, and various other factors meant that they didn't get the tick boxes. But you know, the headline that you know, jumped off the page for me this week was the um, story about Echo uh, or Eco, E-C-O. It's a um, cryptocurrency uh, company uh, that provides a digital wallet. Um, they do more than just crypto, but the main thing is their crypto wallet. Actually, they're, they're related to Signature Bank which is the failed bank that we mentioned earlier. Uh, and they're backed by Anderson Horowitz and other heavy hitters. And they did a blog post that they deleted very quickly, but the blog post basically said that the um, Federal Deposit Insurance Scheme, the FDIC scheme, you know, is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Most of their customers not bothered about it. And this is where, for me, if you are a bank, you have to get a licensed under an insurance scheme that um, guarantees the money won't be lost. So in Europe, the scheme that we have guarantees if you have a bank license, then you can deposit up to 100,000 euros and it won't be lost. In America, it's up to $250,000 per account. And um, you know, to say that the FDIC scheme doesn't matter when they're comparing themselves to Goldman Sachs and Wells Fargo is a bit of an out there comment. And in fact, in particular, they have a whistleblower internally who's saying they were now they were looking at moving the money from the banks that they deal with to BlockFi, Genesis, and other decentralized financial protocols to get higher returns. And I think that's why that became a huge issue, particularly when you've got FTX and Terra Luna and Signature Bank and all the other things that we're talking about this week. Here's the thing: there was a lot going wrong in terms of transparency. Like transparency wasn't there at all. I was also surprised the company's called Eco, but I didn't find any other reference to environmental initiatives whatsoever. Nothing to do with environmental. <clears throat> and um, I, I, can, I can imagine that if you ask consumers on the street, they probably are not aware about that deposit guarantee scheme, but that doesn't mean that you don't need to have it when things go wrong. Think, you know, I... At Bankrate, we used to have like FAQs about, you know, how, how, how this insurance works or whatever. And like anytime during like a recession or better, you know, a, a harder economic time, people were really Googling this. So it seems like that drives them to care about how, how they get their money back if their bank failed. Okay. But um, yeah, these, these FinTech companies, there's like so much confusion and people, people are getting like destroyed um, over things like this. Um points um just just for the points mary i mean the point you're making there is a really important one because mm -hmm. if you look at how people have been using crypto in particular that um or other schemes they put them into unregulated unlicensed companies they lose their money and then go wtf yes. <laughs> yeah 
get my money back and they can't and that's when the rubber hits the road that they realize oh these guys are actually completely unregulated it's the wild west yeah and it's like it's never i mean there's there's no one where that would be a good outcome for it but it seems to be a lot of people who would suffer more than you know someone wealthier um all right i feel torn here on the points uh i'm gonna phone a friend rick ha do you see someone winning this round more than someone else yeah who? that was one who answered the question <laughs> remember that answering the question right doesn't guarantee more points well we can't we get i would say we give chris a three and andrew a two so he's still winning but relatively speaking it doesn't make a big change all right i'm down let's do that i'm glad somebody else is keeping track of the points here because i have no idea where we are we're close i think the next question does is it, does it not doesn't this mean that mary asked the next question as you were the judge oh yeah <laughs> okay thank goodness i have it pulled up okay here's the question this is an upsetting one too okay I read about a not so pleasant Christmas gift from a bank to the client this week. What happened? That's fair. Thank you. <laughs> I I think that this must be somebody's picked up on on my story about my my own bank's crappy loyalty and rewards program. You know that that's a crap. They they are absolutely rubbish. They've got over twenty years of data on me. A lot. A lot more than that actually so they should know i'm a motorbike rider scuba diver i love edm music i go to concerts and all and yet their loyalty and rewards program gives me access to museums and historical sites what the hell that's the worst kind of present you could ever give me and it doesn't generate any damn loyalty whatsoever so was it a story about my rant about my crappy bank's rewards program? Nope. Mary, can you um, see and hear what's happening here? I can. and I'm, We I'm, have one guy living in the UK and he's not giving a Christmas answer. He's clearly not from the UK. He must be African. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's March. Why are we talking about Christmas? We should be talking Wait, about I'm an immigrant. Hold on. Because yeah. um, British always love Christmas. Score right now is 30 to 29. Chris is leading by only one point. Just... Well, I don't think the headline would have been about Andrew's specific issues. I mean, it's probably more to do with, you know, maybe a, 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 the bank took a withdrawal of a few thousand dollars from a customer's account as a Christmas gift to their management team to in increase their bonuses. Yeah, because they all love their fat cat bonuses and the banks. That's why we've got a bunch of bankers, haven't we? Why is it called fat cat? Tell me. Is this something that we don't know? <laughs> I feel a joke coming. I feel it. Well, no, no, I, I, I think it's because a fat cat can't jump. <laughs> so, you know, they just stuck there in their chair. And that's it. And I was, I was amused this week because um, Griff Rhys-Jones, who's a UK comedian, is doing a tour. And he wanted to call his show The Donkey's Bees or the dog's bees, if you prefer. And he said they can't do that because it's a rude word. So instead, it's the cat's pyjamas. And I was sitting there going, why is it the cat's pyjamas? Why is it fat cat and cat's pyjamas? I mean, what's up with the cats? Why is it cool for cats? I don't know. And then there, there's no, cool cats. No idea. That's gone down a tangent. And getting back to worst, well, don't know about worst 
gift, but worst banks. I, I was reading a blog earlier on um, that states that uh, there's the worst bank in the world is Starbucks. Yeah. Um, Starbucks, we all know, isn't a bank, but Starbucks have over $1.6 billion in outstanding gift card balances. So actually, people unwittingly are using Starbucks as a bank by leaving their money on their gift cards. And, and they've got hundreds of millions every year that people just simply don't, they write them off. People don't claim their gift card balances. So, you know, um, a, a not good gift to somebody could be a Starbucks gift card because that's helping Starbucks um, bankroll a massive deposit in the bank. That's not related to Christmas. And the only thing I can think of related to Christmas this week was an old age pensioner who went away for Christmas. And when she came back, found that her power, water, telephone, everything was shut off because she hadn't paid bills and the bills should have been paid automatically. And it turned out that um, the reason is she, she had a joint account with her husband and had phoned the bank to say, my husband's died, can you take his name off the account? And they actually said that she had died and wouldn't talk to her anymore. And you that's absolutely that one? correct. That was rather astonishing, that story, but uh, it just goes to show human error because she had spoken to a human. Um, yeah. Once they deleted her from there, she struggled to convince them that she was still alive and they wouldn't talk to her because they, their record said she's dead. I mean, And, and more than that, I, I, in the reporting of this, I thought it was intriguing because you know a lot of the fintech guys including myself talk about how cool it is that we have apps but she doesn't use apps she, she doesn't use online banking she struggles with each even the you know the, the voice systems on the telephone call center and to get to her nearest branch because they've all closed down she has to take two buses and this relates to last week's discussions we were having about banks being a thousand kilometers away or a, and the know, first question of these episodes or, yeah it's just it makes you realize when you look at individuals and their stories that we we're not all digital guys um we're not all digital and this is like a sad sad thing that happened i can't imagine like emotionally what that must feel like um and that's separated from like dealing with the the like the stakes there are super high i just mean emotionally like trying to figure that out would be horrible um so we ended this on i mean we started here on a sad note, we have certainly ended here on a very sad note, but there's still competition going. And I, I have to say, Andrew, I'm sorry, Chris did win by one, two points, actually. So Chris five, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't scored yet. What? <laughs> I haven't scored yet. I took back the authority. You <laughs> don't have the authority, Rick. Did you give him bonus points for his Christmas tree in the blurry background? <laughs> <laughs> That's what's in Chris's background. If you haven't heard the story, there's a lady called Jackie Weaver who's become famous after a Zoom meeting in Britain. And if you haven't heard of her, it's all about you don't have the authority. So no. Google it. Jackie Weaver. All right, Mary, since yeah. you became the judge of the show again, and we are at the end of it, can you share with everyone who scored highest? Oh, well. Oh, that was Chris. Yeah. That was me. <laughs> 
I'll All start right. again. Chris won. But just by a little bit. Thank you very much. It was a great show. Quite a long show as well. Um, yeah. Thank you all very much for listening or watching our show. I cannot wait for more international news coming soon. If you like our show, make sure to register or subscribe on your favorite podcast channel to make sure that you are the first to know about a new episode. If you're a big fan, have a look at our merchandise, buy the shirt, buy the pullover or the uh, cup of coffee and spread the news of Fintech and Cut. This was the 15th episode. We hope to entertain you, your colleagues, your friends, your connections and followers, cats, rabbits and dogs very soon again. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.